So we read this week the portion of Toldot. We're really beginning the story of Isaac and his children. And what we're going to focus on here is the story of, of Jacob and Esau and the blessings. Now there's a you know, common, we were talking about before, uh, people say that you know, because of Jacob taking the blessings from his brother, Jacob is a thief and all Jews are thieves and this proves that all Jews are thieves. You actually see some of the commentaries who were, who were uh, overseen by the Christian, uh, uh, what are they called, the ones who uh, decide what goes in the book or not. And they were very nervous about what they wrote, especially with this subject. Mm. You see, they're really apologists towards the Christians when it came to this. And they tried to put the blame on Rebecca, and they tried to put the blame on Isaac, and they didn't want to put the blame on Jacob because they felt it was, uh, it was a problem for the Jews. But So we, we heard the story, and the problem is when we hear the story, we never get rid of the story we heard. So I want to go back to try to look at the story inside and see if we could understand it a little bit better if we look at it inside. So before we begin the story about the blessings, I want to go to their birth. So we know that... that uh, Rebecca marries Isaac and she's unable to conceive. So the two of them pray and they've been married now 20 years and finally after 20 years of marriage she gets pregnant. She gets pregnant and she's having a very difficult pregnancy. She feels there's some sort of a struggle within her womb and she doesn't know what's going on and she basically doesn't know she has twins and she basically says if this is what it's like to be pregnant why am I doing this? Why am I alive? It was so difficult. And one of the things that happens to her is she has no other children. She would have been the one to have the 12 tribes but because she complains so much about her pregnancy the opinion of some is that she has no other children after this. And it's interesting, she's left only with two children. So, <clears throat> the, she, she now has no idea what's going on. She should go to her husband, who's, who's a great scholar, and ask her husband what's happening. But she's afraid because she couldn't get pregnant for 20 years, and now she finally got pregnant and she's going to complain. She doesn't want to aggravate him. So then she should have gone to her father-in-law, Abraham. But she felt the same. She didn't want to seem like an ingrate and aggravate him. So she ends up going to the yeshiva, to the place where they learn. And that's what the Midrash tells us. It also is possible she went and prayed in a corner by the wall, and God came to her as a prophet. Because she's a prophetess, God came to her and told her this. Or she went to the yeshiva and they told her this. So the, the, the message that she gets is, Vayomer Adonai, God says, La, to her, Shnei Goyim, but it's written Geyim. So Goyim is Gimel Yud Vav Mem, and it's written Gimel Yud Yud Mem. Shnei Geyim. So this is, what is this, what is this word Geyim? Geyim is two proud ones. There are two proud ones, or two nations in your womb. Right? Ushnei Leumim. Two kingdoms, right? And then what, what's going to happen is when they come out from you, when they emerge from you, they will separate. He says, and goes further. And the younger one, the, sorry, the elder one will serve the younger one. She says, what's going on? So they're together in her womb. But once they come out of the womb, they're going to be separate. Then the question is, what does that mean? And so now Rashi gives a very strange answer. He says, who are these two great nations within her womb? And he gives us two characters from history. One is Rebbe, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. He's the one who codified the Mishnah. And the other is Antoninus, who could be Marcus Aurelius, the great Roman, Roman emperor. Says, what, is that? what does it mean? One is the potential to be Rebbe while they're in the womb. 
and one is the potential to be Marcus Aurelius. One is Jacob, and one is is Esav. So the question is, why is he telling her? Why is he telling her something so far in the future? What does it mean that at the moment this is what they are, and they won't be that when they come out? And why do we use those two people? Well, they could have said me and Donald Trump. You know, I mean, it, they could have said any two people. Why those two people? So something to keep in mind. Now, they both, now, so, so now she, she now understands that she has twins. So she understands there's somewhat of a struggle because she has twins. And, or it's a difficult pregnancy because she has twins. And they're born. It says, Vayetze Harishon. The first one comes out, Admoni. So the first one out comes out, he's red, his skin is red, red tone, and he's filled with hair, and he has teeth already. Very strange. And as the second one comes out, he grabs the first one's uh, ankle. Now, obviously, if he's able to grab his ankle, they have to be identical twins in the same the same sack, right? Because otherwise it would be impossible for them to touch each other. So he says, so if they're identical twins, how could one be one way and one the other way? But the fact is it's possible. You could have the genetic differences. I found an article on uh, two twins who were born in uh, identical twins, born in England. One was white with blue eyes and the other was black with brown eyes. The father and the mother are Identical twins. So he said, how is it possible? They develop in the same, from the same zygote, which split and formed two embryos. He said, so that basically explains that you have an exception that sometimes the genes that control certain things can mutate. It's, it's a... Uh, they don't separate necessarily in a symmetrical way. Hmm. So you get more of one and less of the other. So they could, be, they could be a little different, even though they're identical twins. They could be very different. Some of them come out and they could look like distant cousins when they're identical twins. So I saw that that's possible. So they could be identical twins. Everything about them is the same with the exception of one is hairy and one is not. And that's it. One is reddish and one is not. Whatever he, whatever he was. So what is, what is the difference there? That, and, and here we see they're identical twins. So if they're identical twins, probably their voices could be similar. A lot of things could be similar about them. Now, <clears throat> I jump to verse 27. And it says, so the, the two boys grow why, up. Why did they spell Gaim? Gaim. So that's what Rashi brings. Why is it written Gaim? Because yeah. Gaim, he says, means proud ones. Who are the proud? They're both proud ones, not just nations. They're proud ones, filled with pride. Who are they? And that's what Rashi brings. Antoninus and uh, Rabbi Yudanasi. And he brings that both, they both never lacked lettuce on their table. What does that mean? In a time where we live in a world that's unbelievable, we could have any fruit and any vegetable at any time we want. But in their time, you couldn't get fresh salad in half the places in the world unless it was the perfect season where the, uh, the lettuce was coming, you know, was, was sprouting at that point. You couldn't get lettuce from uh, New Zealand in the middle of the winter. So it shows how wealthy they were that they could get any fruit or vegetable at any time they wanted. So now we see the two boys grow up. It says, Vahi Esav Ish Yodea Said. And Esav was a, uh, a man who knew how to hunt. Ish Sadea, man of the field. Vyakov Ishtam. Verse twenty-seven, the Yaakov Ishtam and uh, Jacob was a uh, was an innocent man. Yosheb Ohalim, dwelling in tents. So one was studious and one was running around and doing whatever he had to do. Maybe a big businessman. And the strange thing is, he says that we we see here that that Esav it says Vayehav Yitzchak et Esav. And, J- and Isaac loved Esav. And it says, why did he love him? Ki Said Befiv. Because he was a hunter and there was game in his mouth. Because his son brought him food, so he loved him. Now this was a man who was extremely, extremely wealthy. 
he inherited everything from his father, and then when he invested it, his, re- his return was, we see already, a thousand times. Okay, whatever he expected, he got a thousand times more. So he bought Microsoft at a dollar, and he bought Apple at a dollar. And he, uh, he, he loves this older son, who's a hunter, because he hunts and he brings him meat. Very difficult for us to understand, especially when we consider Isaac... Isaac is the one who is bound to the altar during the Akedah. Isaac is as high, as, as close to the level of an angel as we could imagine. Isaac is this pure soul that God says you can't even leave the country. You could never leave. Abraham was able to go to Egypt. Jacob went to Egypt. Isaac couldn't go to Egypt because Isaac is so holy he can't leave the land. So you have this ultimate in holiness... And he loves this son because he brings him meat. Hard to understand. The Rivka and his wife Rebecca Ohevet et Yaakov. She loved Jacob. Now, we know that Isaac became blind. It tells us that Isaac became blind. So since Isaac was blind, the verse before said Isaac was blind. How did Isaac become blind? So one opinion is he became blind because his daughter-in-law is from Esau, from his, son, his son's wives. He had, he, they had two Hittite wives, and they were uh, burning incense to idols. So since he was so holy, he was much more susceptible to it. While Rebecca, who grew up in a house of idolatry, her father was Betuel, her brother was Lavan, she lived up in Syria, she was already immune. She already had the injection. Okay? But he wasn't. The other opinion is when he was on the altar to be killed, the angels were crying and the tears of the angels, whatever that means, goes into their eyes, into his eyes, and eventually causes him to be blind. A third opinion is when the, uh, the king of Gerar, Avimelech, he cursed Sarah for pulling the wool over his eyes, so to say, and he cursed her for blinding, for blinding him, because she said she was, you know, he accused her, you said, she, you said Abraham was your brother, and I almost committed a great sin with you, and you blinded me by not showing me the truth. So he cursed her, and his curse caused Isaac to become blind. But probably the best answer is God stuck his foot into the, the door, because he needed him to be blind in order for this whole story to take place. Because how is Jacob going to come take the blessing from his brother if Isaac could see? Now, the next problem we have is Isaac is this very holy guy. Isaac has Ruach HaKodesh. He's a prophet, Holy Spirit. He could see from one end of the world, so to, you know, to one end to the other. Do we say he was duped? That his son pulled the wool over his eye. How, do, how is it possible that Esav, who we know that at the age of 13 or 15 already committed murder, rape, and, and stealing, right? He's already a thief, a rapist, and a murderer. How does he not know who his son is? How does he not see the truth? How does he let his son pull the wool over his eyes? What, what, what's really going on? So we we we're, we're at this point where we're at this point where they're young, maybe fifteen years old, or thirteen years old, and Abraham died. Abraham died, and Isaac is going to sit shiva. So the first meal of a mourner has to be given to him by, from someone else. So Jacob is preparing a meal for his father, and the meal he's preparing is lentils. Esav comes back from the field. He's just exercised his, uh, his freedom and he killed Nimrod, who was the, one of the most powerful generals who was a, previously been the ruler. He steals his coat, which was the coat of Adam, which would protect him from the animals. And he rapes someone because he needed to... And he comes back and he's famished and exhausted and doesn't know what to do. So he sees the pot of lentils. And he tells his brother, give me the lentils. He said, I'm not giving you the lentils, they're for daddy. 
He goes, what do you want for the lentils? Because you know what? Sell me your birthright. I'll trade you the lentils for the birthright. He says, you know what? The birthright is worth nothing to me. Take the birthright. I'll take the lentils. And after he swallows down the lentils, he, it says, the, the verse says, V'yaakov natan le'esav lechem, Jacob gave to Esav, verse 34, he gave him, he gave him bread and, a, and the pottage of uh, lentils, V'yochal, and he ate, V'yashte, and he drank, V'yakom, and he got up, V'yelech, and he left. So he ate his food. And the final verses, V'yibez esav et ha he, Jacob despised the birth. I mean, Esau despised the birthright. So he despised the birthright. It wasn't worth anything to him. He got his meal for it. He still despised it. He didn't have any regrets after. So does it seem that Jacob tricked him? Or was it a fair deal? We could say that maybe it, maybe it was a stupid deal. But was it a fair deal? Or maybe it wasn't a stupid deal. What does he want the birthright? What does he want the birthright? Because what is the birthright? Well, I think that that's the issue. I mean, I don't think it was a fair deal, but to Esau it was. And, but what was the birthright? So the birthright in this case seems to be the, the eldest son, until the, until the sin of the golden calf, the eldest son's job was to be the priest. He was going to be the Kohen. He was going to be the priest. And every everyone, that's why we have the redemption of the firstborn. Because the firstborn should be the priest of every family. Should be sent to work in the temple and be the priest. So the birthright allowed him to be the priest. You know, I don't want to be the priest. You go be the priest. You take the birthright. Have a good time with it. So it doesn't seem that there's any trick in that, in that whole exchange. So now we're going to jump to chapter 27. And we're going to go through the sale and try to understand the sale and what's going on. So it says, And Isaac was, was getting old. So we only know the only age we have is Esau gets married at 40. Um, we're saying here that Isaac is old, so they're suggesting that it was within five years of the passing of his mother. <clears throat> so a person should realize that five years within the passing of a parent, they have to start thinking about their own, their own end. So he would, his mother died at 127, so he was 123. If he was 123, his two boys are now 63 years old, the twins. So it's been 50 years since the last story of the sale of the birthright. We went 50, we go 50 years forward in time. And now Jacob says, Isaac says, I'm getting old. And I want to bless my son before I get old. So he says, He calls to Esav, his son, the bigger one. It doesn't say Bechor, firstborn. Normally it would say Bechor, firstborn. It says Beno Hagadol, the bigger son. It says, Beni. And he says to his son, my, he says to, his, to him, Beni, my son. And his son replies to him, Hineni, here I am. Which is a very important word. Because the word Hineni, aside from Robertson Young Rice, made her whole uh, organization named Hineni. Why is Hineni? I think Hineni only appears in Tanakh 14 times. And who says Hineni? God calls Abraham. Abraham says, God, Hineni, here I am. Isaac says, Hineni, God, here I am at the Akedah. Jacob says, Hineni, here I am, God. Moses, uh, Joseph says, Hineni, here I am. And Moses says, Hineni, here I am. And we see some people in Tanakh later on. So this word, Hineni, is something very special. And Esau is using this word to his father. So his father sees, wow, this kid is someone special, Hineni. So he's pushing buttons. He knows which buttons to, sh- to push. The rabbis tell us that he would ask his father, how does one tith, uh, what, what, how do you give 10% of straw type? How do you give 10% of straw? Straw? It's like asking me how to give 10% of garbage. No. 
How do you give 10% of salt? So he said, so he, he was trying to show his father, look how righteous he is. That not only is he going to give 10% of what he has to, he wants to know how to give 10% of things that no one would ever consider giving 10%. So they say that this convinced his father. But at the same time, didn't Jacob answer, ask him real questions? Didn't he know Jacob was studying all day? Of course Jacob asked him heavy-duty questions. And so, but the question of a businessman is, do I have to give, I, you know, I just bought 100 light bulbs. Do I have to give 10 light bulbs to charity? That's what he's asking. So, now he says, so his father calls him, he comes to his father, and he says, you know what, I don't know when I'm going to die. And now, I want to, uh, I want you to take your bow, and take your sword, and sharpen everything, and go to the field and hunt for me. Hasuk Gimel, three. So the question is, if I'm going to bless you, why do I need you to go hunting first? What does the hunting have to do with the blessing? So he's going to send them hunting. That's, and I want you to make me the food that I like. And you're going to bring that food to me and I'm going to eat it in order that my soul should bless you before I die. So does he need the food in order to bless? You go to the rabbi, I say, Rabbi, could you give me a blessing? Wait, 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 first go and get me a corned beef on club. What does that mean? It's very hard to understand. The guy who's so spiritual, why does he need the food? You have, a, you have an answer? No. no. So it's hard to understand. So now Rebecca is listening to what's going on. And she says, oh my gosh. He's sending Esav to go hunt and bring him food so that he should bless Esav? Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not going to work. So she calls Jacob and she says, I heard your father speaking with Esav, your brother. And he told him, go get me special foods and I'm going to bless you before I die. So Rebecca says to him, listen to me, my son, and I'm commanding you to do something. You have no choice. Now what's interesting is Jacob is called, he's called the man of truth. His quality, Abraham's quality is chesed, kindness. Isaac is control, self-control. Jacob's quality is truth. He doesn't know how to tell a lie. George Washington and the cherry tree, it really was Jacob. He cannot tell a lie. Here he's being challenged to go against his nature, which is to be truthful, by his mother, who commands him, you must do what I said. So he has to overcome his nature to listen to his mother. Now what happens? She says, go get me two goats and I'm going to make the goats and take just the special part of the meat from the goat that your father likes in order that you should bring him the meat and then he's going to bless you. But he holds son number one, not son number two. He says, so Jacob says to his mother, wait a minute, ma. I can't do that. Daddy called Esau, not me. And if I come into him with the food, he's going to know right away I'm not my brother. My brother's all completely hairy like a, like a, like a gorilla. Yeah. He says, What's, Daddy's going to realize it's me and he's going to curse me because I'm trying to deceive him. And his mother said, don't worry. Whatever curse is on me, Meaning if he curses you, I'll get him to take it back. Or if he curses you, the curse doesn't go on you, it goes on me because I'm forcing you into the situation. So he said, okay, whatever you want me to do, Ma. Now remember, he's 63 years old. Okay? So she takes the go- So he goes and he gets the goats and they prepare the food. And she takes the, the expensive garments of Esav. So remember, Esav had this coat that he stole from this king which was given to Adam, the special coat that God made for Adam that passed down and he takes it. And Jacob takes, and she puts the coat on Jacob to wear. Why? Maybe you're going to dress him up in a suit and tie like a businessman because he's going in as a businessman. Maybe the scent of the, of the clothing. Of will, was on because the, the father's blind. What, he has his touch. He has his smell. He has his ears. So then Jacob says, well, what do you mean? What if he's going to touch me? What do I do? He says, so I'm going to take the skin of the goat 
and I'm going to put it onto your forearms, wrap it around your forearms, so if he feels your arms, he's going to feel the very hairy skin and he's not going to know. And I'm also going to put it on your neck and your cheeks. So if he tries to kiss you, I'm gonna, he, he's also going to feel the hair from the goat, which again is hard because I don't know if a goat hair is going to feel like a... must have been a hairy guy. Now what's interesting is Vatitan, she gives him the meat to bring to her father, but she also gives him bread. Now where would Esav have gotten bread unless someone went to bake it? And we know something special about Rebecca. When she came into the tent of Sarah, said there was a blessing in her bread. So some way he has to realize something's going on because he's getting the bread, which must be coming from his wife. So something's happening. So now, the first thing he does, so Jacob comes to his father, and he says, Daddy, he says, and, then, and all of a sudden, his father says, who are you? So from the first second, he says, something's wrong here. Something's off. So he says, what do you mean so what does he answer? So Jacob answers his father, Anochi, I am me. Esav bechorecha. Esav is your firstborn. Now really it says, I am Esav, your firstborn. But Rashi says, no, 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 you're punctuating it wrong. He says to his father, Anochi, I am me. Esav bechorecha. Esav is your firstborn. But in reality he's saying, Anochi Esav Bechorecha. I am Esav, your firstborn. Says Kasher I did exactly what you told me. Now please, Daddy, get up and eat from the food, and then you could bless me from your soul. His father knows something's wrong because not only not only is is he speaking politely. It's not his... Esav doesn't speak this way. He's rougher. Antonio. Antonio. So he says, he says that... So Rashi is bringing this punctuation. It's a, it's a big stretch. He's trying to show, hey, no, he really he didn't lie. But Yitzchak, so Yitzchak says to his son... How come you got back so quickly from hunting today? Usually it takes you longer to go hunt, find the meat, come back, you know, do everything. And what does his son answer him? He says, God speeded, he, the God prepared me before you. He says, he says, God, your God, Speeded my way before you. God helped to rush me so that I could help you for your sake. Again, not something Esav would say. He would probably say, Hey, I'm a great hunter, Dad. You know, what do you expect? <laughs> so Jacob came close to his father. He says, and, and then Jacob, so when he came close to his father, his father felt his arms. So all of a sudden, his father says, Hakol kol Yaakov. The voice is the voice of Jacob. The hayadayim, but the hands, Yedei Esav. Are the hands of Esav. There's something wrong. Now, if you're Isaac in this point, what do you do? You say, time out. Exactly. Rebecca! Exactly. Or one of the servants. Uh, you know, come in here, you know. Yo, John, come, I need your help. Uh, who's this guy over here? He doesn't do that. He just continues. What does that mean? He just continues. Well, it says, He didn't recognize him because his hands were like the, the hands of Esau. And what happens? And he blesses him. That doesn't make sense. He should not have just continued at this point. He's so confused. He keeps saying, Who are you? You don't sound like you. How could you have the voice of Jacob and the hands of Esau? Something's wrong. Why does he just continue with the blessing? Why doesn't he say at this point, wait, delay, something? So maybe, yeah. Maybe he knew that this was Yaakov. 
and realize that the blessing should have been going to Yaakov anyway. But he so but it continues. So we're gonna then we're gonna we're gonna see more then. After he blesses him, after he blessed him already, he says, Are you sure you're my son Esav? <laughs> so now he says, I better not talk so much. He just says one word, Ani, I. <laughs> so now he says, Come to me, so I'm going to eat from the food in order that my soul should bless you. But he already blessed him. And he comes close to him, and he eats. And he brings him wine, and he drinks the wine. He figured, maybe I'll give him a little wine, and uh, he'll stop bothering me. So Isaac, his father, says, Come to me now, and kiss me, my son. He's really trying to figure out what's going on. And he comes close to him, and he kisses him. And all of a sudden, Jacob smells the, the reyach, the perfume of his suit. And he says, He says aloud, reyach beni kereyach sadeh. The smell of my son is the smell of the Sadeh. Sadeh has a connotation of the Garden of Eden. So now he sees, wow, my son must be worthy of a blessing because he smells like the Garden of Eden. How does he know what the Garden of Eden smells like? When he was on the sacrifice, his soul went up to the Garden of Eden. Asher beracho Hashem, that God blessed. So he says, my son smells like the Garden of Eden, which God blessed, then I have to bless him. It says, now, it seems almost so like heaven is kicking in to push him to, to go through. Right? It gives him the smell and he's thinking. But still, why doesn't he call anyone if he's not sure who it is? He sounds so unsure of who it is. Why not call? So he gives him blessings. And it's interesting, he doesn't say Hashem, Yudke Vavke. Because God, Yudke Vavke, of mercy, would give blessings. God, Elohim, is just justice. It's not really... Justice is, you go to the judge, if you're good, you get. If you're bad, you don't get. It's simple. It says, God is going to give you, Mital HaShamayim, from the dew of the heavens. So he starts to give him all of these blessings. But all of these blessings are purely physical blessings. Blessings of wealth, Prosperity, ruling, okay? And he says specifically, he says, he says, Yabducha Amim, nations will serve you. That's why anytime someone brings you a glass of water, because Jacob brought him food, we answer him, we say to him to bless him, Yabducha Amim, nations will serve you. You brought food to someone to help them, nations will serve you, just like Isaac blessed Jacob for bringing him the food. It says, he says, and kingdoms are going to bow down to you. You're going to be master le'achecha, over your brothers. What? You're going to be master over your brothers. And your mother's children are going to bow to you. Arur, or anyone who curses you will be cursed, and anyone who blesses you will be blessed. It's a heavy-duty blessing. And he continue, and, and that's it. So basically, you're going to have all the material wealth in the world. You're going to have all the power in the world. You're going to be on top of the world. You're going to be the king of the world. And no one could do anything about it. That's that. When Yitzchak finished to bless, Jacob runs out. And from in front of his father, the Esav Achiv and his brother Esav comes back from the hunt. And he also makes the delicacies for his father. And he brings it to his father. And he walks into the tent and he says, Yakum Abib, get up daddy. Not uh, please, get up daddy. And eat from the food that I brought you in order that you could bless me. And his father says, Miata, who are you? Bayomed, and he says, Ani, I am Bincha, your son. Bechorecha, your firstborn. My name is Esav. He says he's the Bechor. He's and he uses Bechor before his name even. It's like a title. I'm Prince Esav, Bechor Esav. And all of a sudden, Yitzchak starts to shudder and shake 
Rashi says, what happened? Then he starts to shake. He says, at this time, he smells Gehinam. He smells hell. The gates of hell just opened and something's happening. And he doesn't know what's going on now. And he says, Vayomer. And he says, now the question is, why does he even do this? Me and for who, who is the one who hunted and brought me and I ate from him and I blessed him? He's going to be blessed. So he tells his son, someone else came and they brought me the food and I blessed them and they ain't nothing to do about it. Why does he even have to tell him? If he realizes now that Jacob is the one who smelled like the Garden of Eden and, and Esav is the one who's going to, just showing him hell, why does he tell him what happened? Why doesn't he just keep his mouth shut? So maybe in the first minute he was nervous and he just opened his mouth, right? But you would think he should think before he's going to speak. He's such a great, righteous person. And what happens? Kishmo Esav, when Esav hears et aviv, the words of his father, he gives a great and powerful scream and cry. Hmm. Uh, and it says very, very much. And he turns to his father and he says, Bless me also, my father. So what does father do? His father should say, Okay, I'll give you a blessing. You should have a good life, health and happiness and peace and prosperity. And He says, His father says, your brother came with guile or with wisdom. And he took your blessing. You want to see parents. You want to see the way. You want to see the kids fight forever. You say this. What does he have to continue? He could have just said, okay, I'll bless you. What does he have to throw Jacob under the bus? Was he angry at Jacob that he took the blessing? Why is he throwing them under the bus? But the father didn't know that Esau had, had, had tacitly sold his birthright to Yaakov. Ah. He didn't know that. So may, maybe he did because he always calls him a gedol, the, 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 He doesn't call him my, my firstborn. He, Isaac doesn't use the words my firstborn. Ah. Could be. But he says, so, Vayan Yitzchak, Yitzchak answers, and he says to Esau, I already made him a master over you. And all of his brothers I gave to him as servants. And, and wine and wheat I gave to him. So what could I give you? I gave him the world. And Esau turns to his father. He says, you only have one blessing? <laughs> Bless me, daddy. And Esau raised his voice and started to cry. He wanted the blessing from his father so much. So his father answered him and he said to him, from the fat of the land is going to be your, your place. And from the dew of the heaven. He says, but by your sword you're going to live. But your brother you're going to serve. But when your brother does bad, you'll be able to rule over him. When Jacob doesn't do what he's supposed to do, you'll rise above him. Strange blessing. He doesn't encourage harmony. He doesn't tell him you should get along, you should be together, you should live together. Very hard to understand. Now we go further in the same parak. And now Esau says, when I get my hands on my when my father when I get my I'm gonna wait for my father to die. He's gonna wait till Isaac dies, and then he's gonna kill Jacob. He says, That's it, I'm just gonna kill him. Rebecca hears, must have been telling his wives, I'm gonna kill that guy. Mm-hmm. And she gets nervous. So she comes to Jacob and they say, okay, we've got to send him away. So before they send him away, what, is Jake, what does Isaac do to Jacob? He says to him, he says to him, and this is very important. He says, he blesses him again. And he commands him, don't take a wife from the people of Canaan. Go to Padan Aram, to Betuel, to the house of Betuel and take from the daughters of Lavan. And what does he say? The El Shaddai Yevarechotcha. And the God, God, 
uh, right? Will 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 bless you. And he's going to make you fruitful, and multiply, and you will become an assembly of nations. And God is going to give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants as an inheritance in the land that he gave Abraham forever. So now the question is, he's giving him here the blessing of Abraham. If this is the blessing of Abraham, what was the other blessing? And if this is the blessing of Abraham, why isn't Esau complaining? And if he had this big blessing to give, then why did he say, I have no other blessings to give? What's going on? And why did he give that blessing after he knows that he'd been... Duped. Duped. So something's going on. The story's not so simple as we see the story and think it's going to be. So the Imre Noam, he asks a question. He says, why does Isaac love Esav? Doesn't he know his children? He says, so he says, how do we understand this? He says, we can only understand this story from another set of blessings given to two sons. What's the story he brings as the example? He says, at the end of Jacob's life, he's going to bless his sons. And he has two sons. And one son's name is Yisachar, and the other son's name is Zivulun. And he's going to bless Yisachar and Zivulun together. What's the blessing? Yisachar is famous for being a scholar, sitting in the study hall and learning. Zivulun is his partner. He travels the seas, he's a businessman, and he supports his brother. And he's going to give them a blessing, the two of them. We have something today, still today, called Yisachar Zibulun Partnership. A guy sits and learns. Another guy's a businessman. He says, I'm going to help support you. But what do I get out of it? We split the credit for learning. So that's his Yisachar Zibulun relationship. Which one's greater? Yisachar, who's learning all day, or Zibulun who's running around the world and make, sending money so that Yisachar can learn. Which one's greater? So not necessary for either to be greater. But the interesting thing is, you could think they're equal. But Jacob blesses Zivulun first. He blesses the earner before he blesses the learner. The question is why? Maybe Zivulun has an advantage. The Khatam Sofer says, when we went into the Ber HaMikdash, we had one of the vessels represented learning and one represented sustenance, money. The one that represented learning was the minarah. The one that re- represented sustenance was the shulchan, where the showbread was. So one is light, Torah or, the other one is dough. You gotta make the dough, you know, bread. It says, so one, the, 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 uh, the minorah was on the south side. So if we go here, south side. And the, the minorah was on the... Showbread. The showbread was on the north side. So if you came into the synagogue from that side, or into the, from the normally the when we come in from the, from the west, we're coming in from the west facing the east. So what's on my right? The minorah. What's on my left? The shulchan. Which is more important? The thing on the right, so it should be the candles. But in the Ben HaMikdash, you didn't enter from the east, you entered from the west. Sorry, you entered from the east, facing towards the west, not the west towards the east. So when you entered the Ben HaMikdash, which was on your right? The showbread. showbread. So the showbread more important than the menorah. He says a person has to know the parnasah sometimes is more important than the learning. He says, how could that be? How do we understand that? He says that a person has to understand, and my rabbi once explained this to me, and I really understood when I went here. He says that you have to judge a person by what they respect. Zivulun is running around the world earning money, sending that money in order that Yisachar can go learn. So what does he respect? Learning. He respects learning. What does Yisachar respect? I need the money. I respect my brother who's sending me the money. 
So who's at a higher level? It's based on who they respect. The higher level is Zivulun because he respects learning. So my rabbi told me something that was unbelievable. He said he saw when he came to America something, really something amazing. He said the rabbis who lived in wealthy communities, their children all became businessmen. Because they sat in their house and everyone else had a lot of money and they didn't have a lot of money. And they respected the people who were giving big donations. And they were the ones who came to the rabbi's house. The people who gave the big donations. So what did they look up to? The wealthy people. So the children of the rabbi all became businessmen. Because they looked up and respected the businessman. He said, but who came to the house of the businessman? The The rabbis. And what did the children of the businessman see? What kavod we give the rabbis? They come, we help, we take care of them. But what a wonderful thing it is to be so knowledgeable. So he says, so what happened? The children of the businessmen became rabbis, and the children of the rabbis became businessmen. This is what you respect. He said, the question now is, when you go up to Olam Haba, where do they sit? Who's in a higher place? The businessman who helps the guy, who shares with the learner, or the learner? He says, no, they sit together at the highest level. The problem is, what do you mean they sit together at the highest level? If they're in this yeshiva in heaven, the guy who's learning knows what's going on. The businessman's going to look and say, it's all Chinese to me. He says, no, 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 no. The businessman who supported the learning, what we do is when he gets into heaven, we plug him in and we download into him (laughs) everything everything the learning guy knows. We upgrade his level. We upgrade his level. So it shows you... What a high level it is to be the businessman to support the guy learning. Because without the businessman, you can't learn. What about if you're a businessman who's learning also? You get an extra. You get an extra. Double, double, double. So he says, Yisachar and is not only the two men monetarily. He says, we have the story of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva leaves, his wife is begging him to go learn. And he doesn't know anything. He must have been a genius, but he just didn't know Torah. And his wife is saying, you should study Torah. You'll be a genius. You'll be a genius. And he just... And that's what he's going to do. Finally, she convinces him, he goes. And he learns for 14 years. And he comes back, and he hears the neighbor with his wife in the house. And the neighbor says, you're a horrible husband. He left you for 14 years to struggle. And you're paying to send him to the yeshiva. What kind of marriage is that? And she says, if my husband would stay another 14 years, I would be thrilled. He doesn't even come in the house because he's scared if he walked in the house, he would never have been able to go back. And he goes back to the yeshiva. He returns after 28 years with 22,000 students. Entourage of entourage. Coming back to his hometown and he's giving a speech in the middle of the stadium in his town. And all of a sudden, some lady is trying to run in towards the rabbi. And the religious students, are, oh, you, they're not letting any lady in here. And he says, everybody open the way and let her through. Because everything that I have, and everything that all of you 22,000 students have, is all hers. So the Yisachar is not only monetary, it could be psychological. It's a way for someone to, to push them to do something. So it says, look at Esav. Esav, is, his name is Esav from Asui, from Dun. He's a man of action. And he wants to bless him as a businessman with all the money. His father knows he's not going to learn. He can't sit in the shpilkes, right? He can't sit and learn. he got to run around. He's running around doing business. He's hunting. He's farming. He's taking care of all the business. While Jacob's sitting in the tent, not doing anything but learning. What do I need? But see how much he respects the rabbis. I call my son. What does he say? Hineni. Here I am, daddy. When he has a question, he wants to know how to give the 10% on salt. How do I give 10% on straw? He wants to give. He wants to help. He's so respectful. And he was very respectful of his father. There was no one as respectful. And he said, if he's so respectful of me, and he goes out hunting, and he brings me food, and he brings me everything, and he takes care of me, 
I need to make sure he has the ability to do this when I'm gone, because it's almost my death, he's saying. He has to be able to do this for his brother. And how's the only way he's going to be able to do this? If I give him the blessing of the world, that he should have everything so that he should be able to give to his brother and take care of his brother. And that was his thinking. He knew who his son was. He knew he was a... He was a guy. He did what he had to do. He was in the business world. He says, but this kid is amazing. He's so nice and he's so respectful. Let him do for my, for my other son what he does for me. So what went wrong? What went wrong? Rebecca knew the truth about her son Esav. She knew that once he would get the money, he wouldn't do anything for Jacob. And Jacob would be completely on his own. And if Jacob didn't have any way to survive, it's over. So Rivka makes Jacob go in order to save the Torah. Because you can't learn im en kemach if there's no wheat and Torah. There's no Torah. If you don't have food, you can't learn. So she knew that if this system that Jacob, that, that Isaac was setting up, it would be a permanent system. You could never break the system. And she knew if you were going to depend on the goyim to support the rabbis, it would never happen. Hard enough to depend on the Jewish businessmen to support the rabbi. To depend on the non-Jews, although in our time, we see something phenomenal. We see who are the biggest supporters of the state of Israel? The non-Jews. These are the children of Esau. So the system was being set up at that time. She sees that the support has to come from within. So she said that Jacob not only has to be blessed with the blessing of Abraham, which we see in the end he gets, but he has to be blessed with the blessing of Esau. She said that Jacob, you need to get the blessing, you need to get the money. Jacob says, Ma, I don't care about money. I don't care about a Mercedes. I can't want to learn. Give me a book. Don't bother me. She says, no, you don't understand. When Esau gave up his firstborn, what was he giving up? He was giving up to be the priest, to be the teacher, to sit and learn all day. He says, I'm not going to sit and learn all day. Give him the birthright. Let him sit and learn all day. And guess what? He ain't going to get money from anywhere. And what's going to happen to him? I'm not giving him anything. He'll die of hunger. I don't have to worry of the birthright. I don't have to worry about anything. I'll get the money when the old man goes. And Jacob won't have anything. He'll have a tent. And he'll sit and learn. And he'll die of starvation. He says, so Rivka realized that Esav is not ready to have the partnership. She recognized that without money, Jacob's not going to be able to survive. Once Olam Hazed, this world will be in Esav's hands. If he refuses to support the Kohen, the priest or the teacher, then it's all over for Jacob. So Rivka explains to Hassan, you intended on being Jacob. You intended on being the priest. You intended on being the teacher. You intended on being the learner. Guess what, Jacob? You also have to be Esav. You also have to be the businessman. You have to take your brother's job and his role and you have to accept it as a double role in your life. What does that mean a person has a double role? A couple passes away, a grandparent comes to raise the kids. The grandparent could be the grandparent, the mother, and the father. So, so what's going to happen now? I am Yaakov and I am Esav. I have to do both jobs. So when he comes to his father, it's like a person saying, I'm the mother and I'm the father. What do you mean? No, I have both tasks, both roles to fill. So the mother puts on his clothes. She puts on the businessman clothes. She tells him, yes, it's about the money. Someone has to support. Isaac suspects something's wrong. He smells Gan Eden. He says, come close. He has the hair on the arm and the hair on the neck. Why hair on the arm and the hair on the neck? The hands represent the work. The neck represents the voice. He's both. He has to be both. When he says, Hakol kol Yaakov, the voice is Jacob, but the hands of Esav. He's not saying it in a negative. He's saying, I understand this is what it has to be. Or he's, God is telling him through his own words. 
that Jacob, you have to accept a double responsibility. You have to be Jacob and you have to be Esau. Rivka is telling her son, you have to be both. And we see Yitzchak in some way understands from the words that comes out, come, come out of his mouth. The Chatam Sofer then goes back to Rebbe and Antoninus. He says, what's Rebbe and Antoninus? Rebbe is the one who put together the oral law and he wrote it down, the Mishnah. Who paid for it? Marcus Aurelius. They were partners. While they're in the womb, Isaac and, I mean, Jacob and Esau were partners. So when they're ready to go out, Jacob says to Esau, you go first. You be the businessman. Zvulun goes first. The businessman goes first. You be the businessman. You take care of me. We'll split the credit. We have a partnership that's in the womb. As soon as Esav, it says when they're going to come out of the womb, they're going to separate. That's what the prophecy is. Esav comes out of the womb and all of a sudden Jacob in some way understands, hey, he's going to cheat me. So what does he do? He grabs his ankle. He grabs his ankle because it's not going to be. What is the ankle? What is the leg? The leg represents the support of the Torah. It re- represents the support. The legs are the strength to support. And that's why we're going to see when, angel, when the angel is battling, the angel of Esav is battling with Jacob, where does he harm him? On the thigh, because that is the support of the Torah. That's how I'm going to get to you, through the money. The support. It says, Rebbe and Antoninus were inside her womb. But once he came out, everything changed. But Isaac wasn't wrong. Because Isaac saw in the time of Mashiach, in the time of the, the Mashiach, at the end of days, Esav will in fact support, Esav will support Isaac. I mean, will support Jacob. The Goyim will support the Jewish people so that they could learn. That's going to be in the future. And the truth is, perhaps in America, we see it today. You got thousands of people sitting in Lakewood and they're living off of government... Uh, Funded programs. The government is paying for the kolel. Maybe that's what Isaac saw. So, so Rivka wanted to say to Isaac, her husband, honey, you're living in the future. You're living in the future. But Isaac was a person who was living in the future. We say that in the time of the Mashiach, there's no mercy, there's only deen. And Isaac represents deen. Why? You don't need mercy because everyone's going to do the right thing. And Isaac represents deen. We have two rabbis in the Gemara. We have Bet Hillel, Hillel, and Shammai. When you hear the stories of Hillel and Shammai, Hillel is always the soft one. Shammai is always the tough one. We say that the laws, in this, uh, the, the laws that we go by are always like Hillel. The soft, the easier way. But in the future world, it's going to be like Shammai. Because we don't need the easy way. Now there's a question. How many children does a person need to have to fulfill the obligation of peru urvu, be fruitful and multiply. So Hillel says, one boy and one girl. And we see Abraham, he has bakol, he has a daughter, so that he has one boy. Jacob has dinah, so he has one boy and one girl. Everyone tries to have the one boy and one girl. He says, but look at Isaac. Isaac has two boys. Who says it's two boys? Bet Shammai. Because Isaac's mind is in the future world, is in a law of deen. So when Isaac's looking at Esav, he's looking at Esav for when? Not now, but eventually Esav is going to support. It says, Rivka says to her husband, basically she's trying to say without saying, we're not there yet, so we have to worry. Then the question comes, well, why does he tattletale? Why does he tell Esav, your brother came and stole the blessing? What's the purpose? What is it too? Why is it that, and why does he bless him that when, when, when Jacob is down, you're going to step on his neck? When he does bad, why? Because it's an insurance policy. Esav is the check. The rabbis tell us we had 50 some odd prophets, 57 prophets. We didn't listen to those prophets. But when Haman, in the story of Purim, takes the ring from Achashverosh, and he puts an edict against the Jews, what happens? Every Jew fasts and every Jew prays. He says the transfer of the ring from Haman, who's a descendant of Esav, did more than 57 prophets. So sometimes we need the Goyim to wake us up. 
So Isaac was saying, you know what? I don't want to do this to my son, but I don't want him to stay here. I don't want him to live here. I don't want him to find a wife from here. How am I going to get him to leave? How am I going to get him to get out of the tent and go do something? I'm going to put Esav on his back. He's going to have to run from Esav and he's going to go and find a wife and that's where he's going to build the Jewish people. So by getting the brothers to fight a little, he was able to put a fire under Jacob to move Jacob along. And anytime Jacob wasn't going to do what he was supposed to do, Esav was always there to push him to get him back on the path. It says that, that, that that's what he was thinking. He, he was also thinking about the future. He says he was thinking, it's a, it's a scary lesson, right? He says it's a scary lesson that, that sometimes we do wrong, but the other scary lesson is when someone comes to you and says, can you give a donation to help support the guy learning? If we say no, who will we like? Esav. And what does God say? Eh, I gave you the money from Esav. In order, I gave you the blessing, so you shouldn't be like him. You can't be like him. You have to always have this partnership of Zvulun and Yisachar. You have to do that. It says that, he said, look what Rivka risked so that he would control the Parnassah. She was ready to risk that she should accept the curse. He says, but we see really that, that the reality is that's only the money blessing. Because when he gets the blessing of Abraham at the very end, Esav doesn't complain. Esav never wanted the blessing of Abraham. Esav never wanted the firstborn. Esav never wanted any of it. He really didn't want to, he only wanted one thing. He wanted the blessing of the money. So when his father says, I, I gave the blessing of the money. He says, I don't have another blessing of the money in this world. He says, but the reality is, in the end, he'll have that blessing of the money, Esau, in order to be a partnership so that the, the partnership of Rabbi, of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi and Marcus Aurelius can come back again in the end of days. But if, in retrospect, though, mm -hmm. It looks, looks like Esav got, got, got the blessing of the money anyway. Esav seems to get I mean, the blessing I mean that, of the Esav, money. Yeah, because, because what, he's, he's dominated the world since then. So, so it's, it's really based on us not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Ah. The, the interesting thing is so that we say that the, any blessing is made up of the name of Hashem, 26. His 26 is the name of Hashem. Yud K Vav K is 26. So there were eight blessings, which is the natural world and beyond the natural world. Those eight blessings were the blessings that Abraham gives Isaac. And how do we know? 26 times eight equals 208, right? 26, 25 times eight is 200. 20, 26 times eight is 208. If we take the name Isaac, Yitzchak, it's 10, 90 is 100, and eight and 100, it's 208. His name is Gematria of 208. When Yitzchak is going to give the blessings to Jacob, he gives Jacob seven of the eight blessings. The blessings of nature, this world. Seven of those blessings, because seven times 26 is 175 plus seven is 182. And the name Yaakov is Yud is 10, Ayin is 70, that's 80. Kuf is 100, 180, and Beth is to 182. So he gives to Yaakov 182, which is 7 times 26. What's the battle? The battle with Esav is over the 8th blessing. Was the what? The 8th blessing. Oh, the 8th blessing. blessing. The 8th blessing is always the battle. And that's why you see the 8th is always the battle with, with Esav. You'll see in Hanukkah, it's the 8 candles, it's the 8th blessing. All of the things that have to do with 8... Generally, no, and which one? And the blessing was eight. he tells him shemena. He he tells him of the fat of the land shemena. Ah. That's the blessing. What's shemena? Shemona. Shemona is eight. Shemena is fat. The fat of the land you should have, but it also stands for eight. But Ishmael got the, the oil of the land. Esav shemena. Esav. Oh, but Ishmael <laughs> seems to have gotten it. The oil. Yeah. So so Victor actually wrote something beautiful based on that some years back and he quotes all of these things to see really what was the fight with the angel and it was over the eighth blessing and everything is over the eighth blessing and really that's the focus of Hanukkah of Hanukkah is over the eighth and Shemen is oil which is also like Shemona eight because everything is the battle with the Greeks 
who were the descendants, the Greeks who were like the, the aspect of Esav, that, that aspect is, is eight. So that's really the, the, the seven was, said to, don't you have another blessing for me? You have one more. He does have one more, but that's the blessing that they're going to have to fight over. But when one is deserving, he gets it. When he's not deserving, the other one gets it. Yeah, but what about what about Shem? Hmm? What about what about Shem? What about Shemen? Is I mean, it's a bless, the blessing. It's a blessing of oil. Shemen is the is the no the high, whole the whole story of Hanukkah right. is always revolving around eight eight days the right. whole thing because Hanukkah is the battle between between that's really where we see the battle between. Between the children of Yaakov and the children of Esav. Okay. That's Edom and coming together because the Greeks become the Romans and that's the yeah. extension of it all. So, but, but really, really, you look at the, yeah, the whole story of the stealing the blessings. Did he steal the blessings? No, it doesn't seem he stole the blessings. It seems that those blessings were meant, yeah, but he, his mother said if they go to him, yeah, in big trouble. It seems to be that's the blessing they still, we're still battling with them. And the eighth always represents the time of Mashiach. So maybe in the time of Mashiach, they get the eighth blessing in order to do what with it? To take care of us. This is so gorgeous. This picture is just so huge. 